You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment... Oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. to the latest edition of 100, the Ed Gordon Podcast. Today, I talk with painter, illustrator, and fine artist, Kadir Nelson. Nelson has become one of the preeminent artists of the day. His work has graced the covers of The New Yorker, Ebony, and Rolling Stone magazines. He was commissioned by the United States Postal Service to create the design and portraits for a number of commemorative stamps, including those of Basketball Hall of Famer Wilt Chamberlain superstar singer Marvin Gaye, and baseball great Joe DiMaggio. Nelson was also asked to create the promotional artwork for the latest season of the hit television show Blackish. He has illustrated a number of award-winning children's books, and his work hangs in the National Portrait Gallery in Washington, D.C. I started our conversation with how I see the importance of art beyond just an artist creating aesthetically beautiful pieces. Let me ask you this, man. You and I have talked about um, how I see art and, and the importance of it in, in our society. One of the things that I think fine artists are, are, are historians in a way. You know, they tell our story, they document um, 
what is going on often uh, in a culture, uh, sometimes in real time. That, to some degree, happened to you over the course of the last year. A lot of um, what you were able to to document had to do with Black Lives Matter and the like. What, if anything, was there in, in creating those pieces of art versus what you normally do? Uh, you know, I, I really don't see much of a difference um, in uh, each of those uh, types of work because I'm always, I'm, I've always been documenting the, um, you know, my experience, the, the American experience, the African-American experience. Um, I think if there's any difference between uh, the work that I did in 2020 versus what I'd done before is, is that it's probably a bit more uh, contemporary. A lot of the work that I do has been focused on history. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we were uh, literally living through this, this history, this historical, historic moment, historic moments, historic year. Um, so, you know, I've always felt it's very important as an artist, as a creative, to, to, um, to document what's going on in the world. And there was so much happening in 2020. Uh, it seemed to kind of, you know, it was a nonstop domino effect. And I felt it was very important to have a voice to speak to what was going on. Um, you know, case in point, the year began with, um, as far as the work that I was doing with two pieces. One, um, uh, the upcoming celebration of the Negro Baseball League's the 100th year, uh, 100th anniversary. And then also the flight of the Clotilda, the, um, uh, the uh, I guess a document creating a painting that told the story about the, um, the last slave ship that was headed uh, toward America. And then um, it wasn't really long after that that COVID hit and we were all in quarantine and, and there was this big question mark over um, what was going to happen. No one really knew what to expect. And, you know, I always felt it was very important to not only document history, but to show, um, to, to provide a, a, a light as to what where we could be or where we could go as um, what we could look toward um, instead of focusing on what's negative. So it just became this evolution um, with after the storm and then the George Floyd situation um, really uh, captivated all of our, our attention. And I just it felt like I had, I had to say something about it. And I had to say it very honestly very candidly um, and very eloquently um, with reverence to uh, reverence for all of the, uh, the victims of, Af- of uh, racial injustice and violence at the hand of, hands of uh, law enforcement and beyond. It's not just law enforcement. So I wanted to show that traje- trajectory and on and on, you know, the Rolling Stone cover with um, the Black Lives Matter, um, uh, commemorative and and so forth. So it was just it was just a roller coaster. I was on the we were all on this roller coaster, and I just really had to, wanted to say something about it visually. Is, is there an extra burden? Uh, you know, artists have to have thick skin, 
anyway, when you put something out, you're hoping that people will love it. I mean, obviously, someone like yourself has a fan base, but you never know from one painting to another. But is there an extra burden when your work is somewhat speaking for a community, uh, i.e. the Rolling Stone cover or the George Floyd or whatever you may speak to because you are speaking in a contemporary voice. You are speaking to something that is beyond, um, you know, just art. It really is speaking to the condition of a people and of a, of a nation. You know, I don't, I don't look at it um, as, as, as a burden. I think it's a privilege to yeah. have uh, a, a platform to voice all these thoughts and feelings and fears and hopes and and um the the whole gamut of human emotion in in this way that's very immediate uh it's visceral it's it's um it's it's just very it's these are things that we are all experiencing so i'm fortunate in that i can i can speak about it in this way and 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 in an artful way that would uh, I think provoke thought, hopefully action, um, and just you know introspection. Uh, this is my work is a mirror for for the human soul, for for the human psyche. So that's that's what you experience. That's what we all experience when we look at art, especially when art that is that speaks to what is uh, to what is, is is very much ingrained in who we are as human beings. But I want to take you to an experience that all, all of us were involved with um, by means of just captivated, and that's January 6th um, when uh, rioters uh, stormed the Capitol. We should note that you have a piece of art in the Capitol, a favorite of many, and that is the portrait of, of Shirley Chisholm. Uh, when you were watching and you got word that this kind of uh, havoc was going on and that things were being destroyed. Uh, talk to me about how you were feeling, whether I'm sure there was some concern about that picture and the like. I think, yeah, you know, I think we were all kind of glued to our, our uh, TV screens, computers, phones, and looking uh, just wondering um, and, and contemplating what was happening, what's going on in the world, how could this happen? And my first thoughts were, um, the, the, some of the people who I know who work in the Capitol, I was hoping that they were okay um, because they were directly in harm's way. Um, and th- and then I also thought, you know, you know, my painting is there, and I wonder if. If it's going to survive, I mean, if if I were, um, I guess, putting myself in the in the uh, shoes of the folks who were storming the Capitol, I I'd go right to that painting and and you know and and try to do something to it, you know. Uh, fortunately, uh, it nothing happened. She was uh, unscathed, so that was that was good news, and it was good news to hear that um, all the folks who I know who work in the Capitol uh, were safe. Um, and you know, came out of came out of it unscathed. So um, on on many fronts, I was glad to hear that you know that was the outcome. Um, but of course, all the mayhem and 
all that followed and led up to it is, you know, really, really unfortunate. And I'm, I'm hoping that, um, you know, that what needs to happen will happen um, yeah. on, on many fronts. Yeah. Let me ask you about an, uh, another um, historic figure that you have a direct connection to, and that is um, the great Hank Aaron, who we lost uh, recently. Give me a sense of, of your connection with uh, Mr. Aaron and, and the relationship you built with him. Well, uh, Mr. Aaron and his, his family, um, he and Mrs., Mrs. Aaron have been really gracious people. Um, one, uh, you know, Mr. Aaron, he, he wrote the forward for my, for my book, for my book on the Negro baseball leagues. And that was really the beginning of my relationship with him. We weren't, um, you know, we weren't close friends, but, you know, I did have the opportunity to meet his family and, and dine with his family. And, um, and, and whenever I'd see him and Mrs. Aaron at events, uh, over the years, they were always very kind. Mrs. Aaron, she's a very, uh, they're both, you know, Southern folks, you know, and she was always very, very sweet to me, you know, and every now and again, I'd, I'd get a call from her or I would call her um, just to, just to say hello. She's, she, she, Mr. Aaron, I guess coincidentally, he, he really looks like someone in my family and Mrs. Aaron, you know, she's just, uh, has that southern charm, mm-hmm. so you know. I I wish I wish them all well. I you know I was really sad to hear the news that Mr. Aaron had uh, had passed um, because he was such a big, strong man. You know, um, when I met him for the first time, I couldn't believe how tall he was. I thought he was you know, um, I didn't know that he was that tall, but um, very kind, very kind. So yeah, he was I wish a very humble man. Uh, and very gracious, yeah. uh, particularly, uh, you very know, present. yeah, you go, you meet so many athletes and there's a lot of ego that goes along with the greatness sometimes, but he was, um, really just a genuinely nice man, uh, and, and very mm-hmm. humble, uh, at the I times agree. that I had uh, to spend with him. What's it been like for you to be able to chronicle these giants? I mean, you have a portrait that hangs in the portrait gallery of uh, Henrietta Lacks. She did the stamps for, among others, Will Chamberlain and, and Marvin Gaye and Joe DiMaggio. Um, you know, you think about the Negro Leagues and the association you've had with them. I think about somebody like Josh Gibson. Um, what's it been like to be able to, to help tell their stories and, um, you know, give immortality in a way to some of these folks. I put that in quotes, of course. Well, you know, I think of them as, um, you know, these are the ancestors, the, the, the folks who, um, I think that we all look up to them in one way or another. Uh, many of them have uh, provided really great shining examples of how to lead um, you know, do what you do um, in the best way possible to do the to be the best at your craft, um, to lead hopefully an honorable life. Um, so, so these are you know these are my my heroes who I want to also help hold up um, and 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 
commemorate and celebrate. So th- this is how I, I can do it. You know, we all want to be, we all want to, uh, we're all writing our own stories and we all want to be the hero in that, in that story. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these folks are, are, are people that we look up, look up to who, um, you know, provide examples for us, um, good, bad, and, diff- and indifferent, you know? So um, I, I like to celebrate the best in of, of who we are, the best in us. And these are the folks who I look to for those examples. When we come back, we talk about Kadir's influence on pop culture and his connection to Blackish, Drake, and Michael Jackson. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com news. That's LifeLock.com news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do, too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. 
Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. We have behind you uh, the uh, blackish cast, which you were commissioned to uh, paint uh, as they announced the, the uh, new season this year. Uh, I think about the Michael Jackson uh, cover that you did for, for the posthumous album, Michael, and then there's the Drake cover and Swiss Beats, and you know we can, we can go on and on. And I think of somebody like Ernie Barnes, who uh, you know, famously did the, the I Want You uh, cover for Marvin Gaye. Um, when, you, when you are a touchstone for pop culture, too, it takes another dimension because then you really become seen by many who may not see uh, art any other way. Um, what's that been like? Because it certainly has, uh, with the magazine covers and, and things like this, broadened um, your, uh, your appeal and notoriety. Well, I think it's all part of that. I guess my mission as an artist is to kind of create artwork that celebrates who we are. Um, you know, I mentioned before the best in us, and many of these touchstones are are, are really great examples of that. Um, and and again, I'm celebrating the folks in my life who I've looked up to, um, whose work I enjoy. Um, like, you know, the Negro Baseball Leagues, Michael Jackson, Drake, um, you know, the, the Swiss Beats, the, the list goes on, on and on, you know. So I, I've been really fortunate to, to be able to help tell their stories and celebrate them. Um, I guess many of them have, um, have seen something in my work that reminds them of who they are, who they want to be. Uh, and, and that's what I really want to do. You know, I, I create heroic images because I want to feel heroic. I create integrous figures um, and, and, and uh, celebrate the journey that we're all making, uh, that we are all aspiring to get to this place where we become the heroes in that story. And, and, uh, and it, sh- it shows up in so many different ways, but it's all really the same story. Um, and, you know, I, I like, you know, I think filmmakers, storytellers of all different genres, that's really what we're doing. We're, we're just telling that same story that seems so brilliantly and loudly within us. You know, um, it's this bright, shining light that we all have inside of us. We don't always know it's there, but it's, it's, it's something, it's there. And, and when we see it reflected in artwork of, uh, uh, on different platforms, it just reminds us of who we are. So that's that's really the my mission statement as an artist. You you, you mentioned the idea of, of painting positive images. I think of a song that Gil Scott Heron did some years ago, and he talks about the importance of controlling one's image, and that helps control one's world. Um, the idea of making sure that you 
create and give positive energy and images of people of color. Um, was that always the case in terms of that being something that you intentionally did? It's always been very, very much intentional because um, I think I came of age, per se, at a point where uh, these positive images of, of brown people were really becoming more popular, uh, whether it was through music, um, videos, film. It was kind of emerging at a point where it made me feel good to see it um, because, you know, that wasn't always, wasn't always the case. So um, my mother was very much instrumental in, in uh, instilling in myself and my, my brother and sisters that, you know, if you want to aspire to do something, to be something, you really have to um, do the, not just the physical work, but the work in your brain and in your spirit to, to uh, imagine what that looks like. And being an artist, I could not only imagine it, but I could put it on canvas, mm-hmm. on paper. So, and, and when I, once I did that um, for the very first time, I was, it, it made me feel powerful. And I, and I know that once, if, if I look at something and experience some art in some way and it, and it makes me feel powerful to experience it, uh, someone else is going to feel that way when they look at it. And that was, that was the experience I had. It was kind of addictive. You know, I said, wow, this feels great. I want to, um, you know, if I want to dunk like Michael Jordan, I'll do a painting of myself doing that. Or uh, if I want to imagine myself being a, a, you know, a Pharaoh on a throne, then I'll, and I'll paint myself doing that. Um, or if it's not just myself, I'll, I could take that energy and put it into something else. Um, and ennoble someone else or something else. And, and that I really enjoy the feeling that I got when I created those images. And, and I enjoyed seeing how other people experienced those images and reacted to them. And it seemed like, well, this is, this is the way to go. Because on the other hand, of, on the other side of the, the coin, you know, if you're painting negative images, then the opposite is true. Or the same is true. You, you're, you're going to feel the way that um, uh, whatever it is is you're, you're creating is whatever that is emoting. That is something that you're going to absorb, and that's not really you know that's not what I was looking to do. I liked feeling the other way. I liked feeling I liked feeling good um, when experiencing my work or any work. Let me see if I can try this. Uh, you you and I have had any number of conversations, and what I've always appreciated about you and 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 I said this, I think maybe even the first time we met, is the humble nature that you bring to, to your talent, um, which is extraordinary. When, when did you know that you had something special, whether you think it to be a, you know, a craft that was honed, whether it's God-given, however you see it, but when did you know that you had something special? You know, again, I, I kind of go back to my mom and both my parents, you know, they were very uh, motivational, or motivating, um, very supportive, and often would encourage 
what was good in us as far as my brother and my sister. So, you know, I, even if we, I think once we, we, we drew along the wall on the stairs, you know, my mother, she came home and saw this mural going up the stairs. My brother and sisters and I were just, you know, we thought we'd get in trouble. We didn't get in trouble. She loved it so much, but she knew she, we had to, we had to, you know, clean it <laughs> off. But it, it was, it was, it was in, you know, it was, uh, it was, a, she, you know, she saw something great within her kids, within her own children, and she encouraged that. So, and I also got, you know, um, attention from creating artwork, whether it's in school or at home or what have you. So I, I didn't really start taking it seriously, really seriously until I was, I would say, it's pretty young, I, maybe 10 or 11, mm -hmm. when I, I visited my uncle, my uncle Mike, who's an artist, an art teacher, and he really said, you know, you've got to really take care of your gift. Um, and he gave me a really great foundation. Um, he taught me so much during a few summers uh, that I spent with him. So it, it was, I think it was a combination of feeling like, you know, getting attention, then also being uh, told to really take it seriously because my uncle Mike and my aunt Libby, his wife, my aunt, she said, you know, this is, this can be your bread and butter. This can be what you can do this for the rest of your life. You need to really protect and take care of your gift. So he, my parents, um, my uncles, my, my aunt hired me for a, um, a mural program when I was a teenager. And, when I got to college, I actually got an architecture scholarship because even though I had all this support, I, there was still this thing in the back of my head where, you know, I'd be a starving artist, you know, that whole cliche. Then I realized this, that's, I'm not an architect. I, I like painting. So at that point, it was, you know, I didn't look back. I think it's important to echo what you said. Uh, you know, I, I know also... Um, that a high school teacher had a lot to do and was instrumental with helping you along as you started. And you talk about relatives and, and your parents. I think too often we don't imagine um, the sway we have with young people as adults and how much just a, a positive, you know, an affirmation, a pat on the back, um, just some attention can mean. Um, is that something yeah. that you've tried to do with young artists? Yes, yeah, it's, it's important, I think, to to encourage. I mean, you never know what you say um, or how how what you say will affect other people. Um, it could just be something really small. It could be something, a big gesture, something really small. Um, but, you know, often, you know, especially before COVID, when we, we, you know, I was out in the world and, and, and seeing the work of uh, kids who come up and say, you know, they show me their work or, um, I mean, even once that it was this, this kid, he was, he was a grown man. He said, I grew up on your work. I'm like, oh man, I'm feeling a little old. <laughs> old beard. You know? I know that. Like, Jeez, how long? <laughs> but um, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's very important. It's very important to uh, to encourage if if you see something in the moment, um, 
if you know someone is showing you their work because I remember being I remember being that kid taking my portfolio or my sketchbook to an artist and saying you know what do you think you know um, we all have to start somewhere so it's 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 crucial. I watched uh, today an HBO documentary on on black art, um, and it talked about how. Black art still has not got its just due in this country. Um, and though it's getting better and people like yourselves are getting uh, notoriety, often black artists in terms of real money don't share in the spoils unless a white gallery thumbprints them. And um, how do you see where, where we sit with, with art today? There's a want for more black collectors. We're starting to see that of late as money gets into our community and you're, you're able to be a quote unquote true collector. Um, no, I don't like that word. I think that's a little elitist. I think you can be a collector just by virtue of collecting whatever it may be. Um, prints and, and the like, and that usually moves you as your income hopefully, you know, grows. You, you just find the love of art, if you will. Give me a sense of how you see the landscape today for black art and artists. Well, it's it's interesting because it's a it's a kind of a catch twenty two situation because I when we think about the canon of art and then you say black art, you automatically stigmatize black art or art created by African American artists. It's because then it's you you know, you have the small pigeonhole where it's it it creates other because then you're also it's 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 across the board i mean when you think about um art you don't think white art you just think art um but then if so that basically puts um art created by white artists in in the center and everything else is other mm-hmm. when when I think of my work, I don't think of it as, as, as black art. When I look at art by African-American artists, I don't think of it as black art because it's all part of this, this uh, huge experience, expression of art. And certainly art has different facets, uh, but w- when you start labeling art based on the ethnicity or gender, of the artist, then it becomes this other thing, which is, it's not really, I don't, I don't think it's very productive. Uh, so I think that's at least, I would think that's part of the discussion is, is destigmatizing black art or art created by African-Americans or by women or by transgender or by uh, uh, nationality or, or what have you. I mean, there are certain areas of art, certainly, but you know, when we look at, I mean, we look at the at the news, and someone creates a there's there's a, a crime committed by someone. They don't say the uh, they'll say the man did this or what have you. But if it's an African American person, they'll say the black man did this or or the the woman did this or what have you. So it's like it's it's very tricky. Um, but as, as far as the landscape where it's going, I think that's, well, that's the first step. To, it has to become more inclusive. 
And I think it is little by little, but it's, it's, I think we have to be conscious of labeling ourselves, particularly African-Americans, um, as creating only black art because there are African-Americans who create artwork that's not just um, you know, reflective of African-American skin, you know, brown skin, you know, landscape artists. Um, people who do still lives or abstract or what have you, you don't really think of them. Try not. I, I prefer that they're not thought of in that way. As Kadir and I continued to talk about his career, I wondered about the natural evolution of his work. I want to ask you about how you view your work from when you started to where you are today. There is a growth or evolution or whatever word you might want to put to anyone's career. There's an arc, if you will. With your earlier works to where you are today, um, do you see an arc? Are you able to see a difference? Is it something that um, is a conscious effort to to change or is it simply just a growth in, in skill and ability? Well, I think, well, I, I don't know if it's either or it's probably both because I look at some of my earlier works and I think, man, that could have been a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, I, um, you know, this is, that's where I was in my career and, and my growth as an artist. And, and I look at a lot of those works and I think I didn't really have a, so I didn't have a very strong voice yet. I was kind of in developing my voice as an artist. Um, and I look at some of the jobs that I took um, that, you know, you take what you can when you're, when you're just starting out. But now I think I'm a bit more focused on um, where the type of work that I like to do, that I would like to do. I think, I mean, I would like to think I'm, you know, better than I ever was um, as far as skill level and, and voice. And that, but I, I don't want to, um, you know, I, there's so much more that I think we all, have, we all feel that way. There's so much more that I w- I'd like to do uh, that I want to do as an artist and, and learn. So, you know, where am I in my, in my evolution? I don't want to say I'm at the peak because I think that I can grow even more in, in, in many different ways. But there is certainly a, a, a huge, I think, growth from when I started out to where I am now. It's a, it, I feel like it's a really big difference. It, you know, with life experience, um, how does that impact your art? Because, uh, you know, as we grow, it, it gives you a different purview of what the world is and, and what life is. Yeah, I think, you know, as, as we get older, are, there's more behind us, so it's like the zoom. The zoom out is much bigger, so you can see, see the picture a lot clearer. Like you know, when you're in your 20s or 30s, you're, I'm thinking, how did I not see that? Mm-hmm. Uh, how did I not see that coming? Or how did I not see the connection between this and that? And it's just because you're in it, you know, and you're new, and you don't really have that perspective. So I think looking at, I mean, I guess if I were talking to a younger version of myself, I probably wouldn't listen anyway, but (laughs) I would look at, I would think, you know, look at this picture, look at, look at this and that and figure out how to put these things together and be very intentional about which way you want to go 
with your life and with your work. Things are going to ebb and flow and change, and you're going to have to switch gears sometimes. But it's good to have, uh, you know, a design for your life, a sketch for your life, a plan, an idea of which way you want to go, but also be flexible. Um, otherwise, you know, you're going to get your feelings hurt when things yeah. don't pan out the way you think they should. The society wants a legacy of this artist or that artist, you know, from from as far back as I can remember. What do you what do you hope your legacy would be if you were to write it? We we don't get to often write our own, but what would you want it to be, or at least included in that legacy? You know, that's a good question. I I I can't say that I think so much about what legacy is about because it feels more to me. It feels kind of a, a very self-absorbed or self-centered way of looking at the work that we do. I'm like, we're I'm, we're all here just trying to work this thing out, you know, as human beings, as as creative people. Um, having having this life experience, um, if you know, I don't know what I want people to think about me or or my work, and I don't know if that's really my concern. My concern really is to to grow as a person and, and evolve as a person on all fronts, uh, and and to just try and try to do my best at whatever I, whatever I'm putting my hands on, um, whether it's you know mentally, spiritually, uh, physically, artistically, creatively, what have you. I'm I'm really just just trying to work it out, you know, and, and do my best and create artwork that sings, that, that makes my, my spirit, my heart sing. And then when other people see it and experience, they, they also start to, um, to resonate. Their spirit resonates with that feeling, with that idea. And I guess if, if, if I'm successful at that, then you know, I'm satisfied. If you want that as part of your legacy, you, you know, you're, you're already there. You have uh, been stalwart in uh, giving face and body and spirit to our community in, in a positive way. And, and the talent shines through and you've taken us all along for the ride. So as I tell you always, brother, I love your work. Uh, you know, I appreciate your spirit and uh, I, I appreciate uh, that we've been able to get to know one another through these years. And I appreciate you being on. Oh, absolutely. Likewise. Well, I, I certainly have enjoyed the work that you do and continue to do. And I, I'm glad to be part of that, part of your legacy. To see some of Kadir Nelson's tremendous work, go to KadirNelson.com. Join me next week as I talk with gospel superstar Cece Winans about her award-winning career, her latest project, and her ministry. She'll also proudly tell us about being a new grandmother. That's next week. 100 is produced by Ed Gordon Media and distributed by iHeartMedia. Carol Johnson-Green and Cherie Weldon are our bookers. Our editor is Lance Patton. Gerald Albright composed and performed our theme. Please join me on Twitter and Instagram at Ed L. Gordon and on Facebook at Ed Gordon Media.
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.